so I'm really pleased to say, joining us now, live on the line, uh, ex-England wicketkeeper and now brilliant artist as well, Mr Jack Russell. Jack, how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing, lads? You okay? Yeah, we're good. Can you hear us nice and clear? Yeah, no problem. Can we wish you happy birthday for later? Is it Saturday, your birthday? It is, yeah. Well remembered, yeah. I keep forgetting about it, but people remind me, so that's very kind of you. Thank you. (laughs) You got anything special planned, or is it just quiet? No, I'll be painting. I'll be painting something, so I'll be working that day, so... Well, I call it work. I'll just be painting... Um, now that the cricket's come back, actually, to um, club level as well, I'm, I'm out and about in the country painting cricket grounds well, for next year's exhibition, so I'm busy with that. And where, where have you been painting? Anywhere nice? Um, I've, well, I've, did, I've done most of the main grounds. I mean, I've done um, all the county grounds, a lot of the test grounds. Um, I've just finished the ashes from last summer, so there's five more test grounds that I've done. Um, which was great fun because I sort of pressurised myself into painting the first ball of every test, uh, which was a, which was an, uh, an intriguing challenge in terms of detail because you've got to get everything spot on. You know, the fielders have got to be in the right place. Uh, even the spectators have got to be in the right place, cameramen and that sort of thing. So I've really enjoyed that. But they're quite big pictures, and um, it's taken me just about a year to, to get those done and um, probably the most detailed cricket pictures I've ever painted. So I've really enjoyed doing that. I mean, I've even got things, so much detail, I've even got things like Stuart Broad's studs on his boots, you know, and I've oh, wow. gone into that much detail, so I've enjoyed doing that, it's been great fun, and I'm just in the process of um, painting the World Cup from last year as well, so Where can I was people... lucky enough to be at that game, so I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm really busy, but I'm, I'm trying to get, because I've done most of the, the, the county grounds and the main grounds, I'm trying to get to those quintessential English cricket grounds, the, like the village grounds and that, which are, you know, typically English and... Um, enjoying those and it's been some been some interesting stuff talking of picturesque places being used arundel's being used this year i don't know if you've managed to paint there yet yeah i did i did arundel last year um that's in our exhibition at chris beetles at the moment in in central london they've got the arundel one down there so one of my favorite grounds actually i mean i I did i did a uh, a book on all the grounds that i played at for gloucestershire thinking there'd be about 30 odd paintings ended up 70 odd pictures so um, I had a great time doing that a few years ago, and um, Arundel was, although I didn't technically play there for Gloucestershire, I played there for the Duchess of Norfolk's eleven back in the 80s against the West Indies, so oh, I, that yeah. my artistic licence came <laughs> to the fore, and I thought I'd got to put it in, because Arundel was just one of the, one of the great oh, cricket grounds, really. If people want to look at these, um, where is the best place for them to go and have a look, and if they want to buy them, can they buy them? Yeah, if, if they if, we've just got the ashes come out, so if they, people go to my... I'm on Twitter anyway, at Jack Russell Art, so people can uh, log into me there. But if people just go, just Google me and put in Jack Russell Gallery, um, they'll, they'll see all the pictures there. And they'll just go to our website and they'll see what I've been up to lately and all the pictures that I've been painting. And um, as I said, all the Ashes ones are out now. We've got a limited edition print on each picture, so they're available now. But unfortunately, the five of the seven, because um, I ended up painting... It's called the Ashes Collection. I ended up painting the uh, the ladies' test down at Taunton. I thought, well, I've done the ladies' game. I need to do that. Mm. And I was I, I, I went down to zoom down to Taunton one day and painted the first ball of that game. And then Stokesy did what Stokesy did at Headingley. <laughs> so I ended up having to paint <laughs> uh, Ben Stokesy in the winning runs for, for yeah. the Headingley one as well. So there's there's actually two Headingleys. There's the first ball, and then there's Stokesy hitting the winning run. And luckily, five of the seven of the big pictures have already sold. So. But the prints are available, so if you want to just get in touch with me, they can email me or just give us a ring at the gallery or just look at the website. Well, you can order on the website, so that's no problem. How, how do you do it when you say, like, you're doing, oh, I'm doing the first ball? Do you, do, you, do you take a photograph and then work from that, or...? Well, yeah, it, 
it's um, <clears throat> you've got to take photographs because you just can't bash it all in one go because the, 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 the pictures. I do what I, um, I painted it every first day of every test. The counties were brilliant to me, and they let me. They set me up probably in the best seat in the house of each test match, and I, I put my canvas up. And I started a, what I call a small one, like a colour note, just to get some colour references. Then I take photographs as well, I make a few notes, and then I put all that together and do a large one. And these pictures are around about sort of four and a half feet each, oh, they're, um, they're by about three foot. So they're quite big pictures, the, the, the finished ones. So, but with health and safety and everything, you can't do that at the creek ground. So I, I just take a smaller canvas, get the colours right, because I need to get the weather right at that particular time, uh, the atmosphere and obviously the detail and the light and everything. So you know, there's a lot of reference that goes into it, into building the bigger picture. But I had such a great time. It was, I actually felt sometimes I wanted to jump over the boundary and join in. It was that <laughs> such good fun. You know, I, was, I was that wound up again with the Aussies in town, but uh, it was great fun painting. I had a great time. Have you had a chance to do one of these COVID tests um, just for, you know, in years to come? That might be something that people will look No, I should do them. Really. I, should, um, I know one or two... Uh, people that, that help serve in, in, in that, you know, the key workers and that. So I should grab one of them at some point and do something because those people are just unbelievable, aren't they? They, they need to be re recorded and well looked after. Um, they're just top people. We, we, I think we'd have struggled without them, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, are there other people that are doing this? Um, do you find if you go down to a big test match that there are other artists there, sort of groups around trying to... No. No, not really. Um, I mean, I think I'm the first artist that paint, is painted a series of the first ball of every te Ashes test. I've not seen another artist do that. There are the, There's a couple of ex-players that uh, used to... Peter Martin, I used to, from Lancashire, I used to tour with. He painted for a while. Um, and young uh, Martin Spate, who was at Sussex and went to Durham, he's now at Sedborough School, I think. He used to paint for a bit. But I think I'm the only one. I think... Um, Carberry from Hampshire started to draw a bit. Yes, we him bit. on last week. Yeah, Carbs is good. I've seen some. He's brilliant. Um, Michael Carberry's fantastic. So I, hopefully, you know, he's just at the start of his artistic career. I'm sure he's got a great career in front of him because he's very good. He's done a lot of work, and you know, he's, it's it's not just something he's just having a stab at. He takes it very, very seriously. And he was telling us about um, artists that he's referencing from and getting in touch with, and. Uh, you know, developing his own technique, but yeah, some of the stuff is is really quite amazing. Yeah, you have to, you have to dedicate yourself really. I mean, I, I sort of I'm a bit obsessed with it now, like I was keeping wicket. You know, I just sort of my I, I think my wife felt when I retired she might see a bit more of me, but I'm just basically <laughs> I'm nothing's changed really in our marriage because I'm just focused on my painting. So you know, I paint all day every day now, basically. So. Um, if I'm not painting, if I go a day without painting, lads, I, I get a bit itchy and she, I get a bit irritable. So I, I, I've, I've been painting now for, well, just over 30 years. So I've actually been doing it more than, longer than I play cricket for. So um, it is a profession and, you know, Carbs will find out that he's got to, if he wants to make a go of it, you know, you've got to put the, it's like playing, like anything really, but it's like playing sport. You know, you've got to put the time and effort in to get the rewards. I'm sure he will because he's a talented boy. Yeah. So talking about your cricket career, Let's, let's, let's turn the clock back 30, 40 years. Um, and some memorable things that I think people will, uh, will, will jog the memory. And now, you've already mentioned uh, the Ashes, and you particularly enjoyed uh, going up against uh, our old friends from Down Under. Um, and they, were, they went after you in the early days, didn't they? They thought that you were susceptible to a bit of uh, chin music and... Uh, <coughs> some smart comments from the close fielders, um, but uh, you put them straight. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I don't... Well, what I have to tell you what happened there was we played at Henley, and um, this is 1989. I did play my first test of the year before, 88, against Sri Lanka at Lords. I mean, that's the greatest place in the world to make a test debut. I can still remember running out behind Graham Gooch uh, with three lines on my chest. And, you know, it was one of those wow. proud moments. Um, I should have got 100, actually, because I got 90-odd, and I gave my wicket away because I'd never scored 90 before in my life in first-class cricket, so I, 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 I blew it there. But... Um, the following year was the Ashes 89, and uh, what happened at Headingley, we got smashed at Headingley. They got about a million, they got 600 and something. Mm. Um, and funny that series, I always remember that series. We used to, if we lost the toss, it was basically, uh, you were fielding from Thursday morning to a football focus on Saturday lunchtime. That was basically, <laughs> that was basically, you were setting yourself for two and a bit days in the field. Having played, only played three-day cricket and never spent more than a day in the field in my life. It was quite an education. But what happened was that Edinley, we got we got bowled over, and I, I didn't get hit or anything. It's just um, I got two low scores, fifteen and two or something, not not many. Uh, I didn't get bounced out. They didn't even bounce quick to me then. But what happened was um, it was Richie Benner wrote a piece in the paper about how the how the the Aussies were going to bounce me at Lords and they were going to like make my life a misery, and they were going to get bowl me a lot of chin music, as you call it, and um, mainly that was Merv Hughes and. Uh, I remember in those days, you used to turn up the day before, the lunch lunchtime before, have a net, have a team meeting on the evening, and then crack on. That was it's not it's not this three or four day build up yeah. you have these days. Yeah. Um, so we used to just turn, and on the afternoon before the test, I'd read this article, and I said to Alan Knott, who was up with my wicketkeeper, then he said, so I said, look, because he was a great player, a quick bowler, oh, yeah. um, and one of the great players, you know, against the you know like Lillian Thompson and those guys. And he sort of said, well, let's, let's get the youngsters at the MCC bowling in nets at 18, off 18 yards of rubber balls and we'll, we'll come up with a plan. And um, so I, I think I was nearly late for the team meeting at 7 o'clock. I was in the nets for hours and hours and hours. And luckily the next day, and, I, and it was in that period where you knew that if you had two bad test matches, your career was over. Basically, you were out. Because um, I think we used about 30-odd players that summer. It was like an absolute carnage it was. Um, was that and the summer I, of I lots knew of that captains the captains as well? Sorry? Was that the summer of lots of captains as well? No, that was the summer before. This was the summer of oh. um, lot, just lots of players. Test <laughs> 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 match was a different team. But I remember, and then the next, we were in trouble a bit the next day, and um, I went out to bat at number eight, and I knew that my this was it. This was like do or die. And uh, so I put back to ball a bit, got away with it, and, and, and dealt with my new move was going to bounce me, so I hooked him and cut him over the slips a few times. And he, Dickie was umpiring at, at uh, the pavilion end, and Merv, Merv used to abuse me, and I was at the non-strikers end. I wasn't even facing. <laughs> and I remember saying, I said, and I'd had enough of this for about, and I got a few, and I'd had enough, and I just turned around and said, as he walked past, I, said, I won't swear, but I said, look, Merv, you big fat, what's it? Just <laughs> sod off and go back and bowl. Let, let's get, up and get, get on with it, you know. And Dickie started panicking. Dickie's arms were going everywhere. He thought there was going to be a fight, you know. But uh, that was one of the most important things, and I managed to get 100 later in the series, and people were going about the 100 mm. um, at Old Trafford. But to be honest with you, without the, seven, without the 64 not out yeah. uh, at Lords that year, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have got the Old Trafford test. So, And there's nothing like you can't beat playing well at Lords. It's the greatest oh, place yeah. on earth. Yeah. Was you the first wicketkeeper that sort of fell into this, oh, we need to pick someone who can bat a bit better than just be a wicketkeeper? Because as a wicketkeeper, you're obviously absolutely outstanding. But you had this thing with Alex Stewart, didn't you, that play Alex because yeah. he, they felt his batting was stronger. Well, his batting was stronger because he was, he was a top player. And he, you know, he averaged 40, 40 in tests. He's a, he, Stewie, he, he's top class. 
Um, but that wasn't the first time. It, been, it happened in the 60s a bit with Jim Parks and J.T. Murray at uh, Middlesex and those types of people. Um, so it happened a little bit before then. Jack Richards a bit before me with Bruce French. You know, Jack was a good bat, played at Surrey. French, he would bat lower down. So it, that sort of, it happened a little bit before. But I think what the, the, the crux of it was, early 90s, uh, Surrey and Botham decided to retire. Um, and we were sort of like struggling for an all-rounder. And it was just a case of trying to fit some square pegs into some round holes and trying to fill his boots in some format. Um, and if we were down in a series and we had to play an extra bowler, then I, you know, there's, there's not many times I played the oval test. I can tell you, <laughs> by, the, by the end of the summer, I was I was on the sidelines. One of your innings, which I remember, but I think for the most part is overshadowed. But uh, and I think people forget when you scored 29 runs of 235 balls over a period of four hours and 34 minutes. And if people are thinking, when did he do that? If I then sort of uh, widen the perspective a little bit, it was part of a 119-run partnership with Michael Atherton at Johannesburg in 1995, that very, very famous innings from, from Athers. But um, I think people are forgetting the, 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 the astonishing contribution you made to that. Well, I'll be honest with you. There's two things that people ask me every time. There's two questions that I always get asked. One is, have you still got the hat? <laughs> which the answer is yes, because it's my most prized possession, and my wife and my kids know that. So it's like, that's like I know where that is twenty four hours a day. Otherwise, I have a panic attack. So I had that hat the first my first day as a professional cricketer. And I've still, I mean, it's been rebuilt a few times and it's been burnt in all sorts of yeah, I was stories. You know, we need an hour. Yeah, we need an hour to go through the story. It's a book on its own on the hat. But, <laughs> um, and then the other side, the thing they mentioned to me is, is Johannesburg in ninety five and. Um, you know, I said, I was, you know, they, they all say well played and that. But the thing is, I just batted basically the one, most of the one day. Athers batted two. You know, he got 180 not out. So, you know, he did most of it. But we were we were up against it a bit because I got in first morning. I don't know what it was. I don't know sometime before lunch. And uh, I thought, well, and when I walked to the wicket, because I remember that Johannesburg is like a ball ring. So you wander down. There's a tin roof. And so they, this, all the crowd, they bash on the tin roof. So by the time you get to the wicket, you're like, you're deaf. <laughs> like you can't hear anything. And I looked into Athers' eyes. I thought, he's bloody well, he's going to do this. This mm. guy is going to do this. Mm. And somebody just got pulled a finger out and stay with him. And I just didn't want to let him down, really. That was the motivation. And I thought, and you mentioned the 29. I actually haven't got a clue how I got to 29. Because <laughs> I, honestly, my target was naught, not out. End of play, naught, not out. That is the target, and um, so I just blocked the first ball, and then I blocked the second ball, and then I kept blocking balls, and then so many hours later, four, four and a half, whatever it is, hours later, that um, you know, I still managed to be. And I remember Daryl Hare was the umpire, and this was uh, this. I was in such a zone, you know, mentally, that I didn't want to let others down, and you know, it was in, we, the series was near nil, nil nil at that point, so we'd, we'd have gone one nil down. So it was important we didn't lose the game. And um, he took the bells off to for the end of play. And I nearly said to him, what, what are you doing? What do you think yes. you're doing? Because me and Adam's going to bat here for a week. Do you know what I mean? I was getting, I was getting like, angry with everybody and just motivated. But, yeah, people mention that most days. So, um, you know, it's great. One of those... I mean, Adam's did most of it, but it was just nice to be a part of it. You, you was man of the match in that test, wasn't you? You got 11 victims or 12 yeah, victims Yeah, well, it's funny well. because... It, it's, I, 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 I always apologise to Adam's because we were joint <laughs> man of the match. And he should have been man of the match, really. But because I, I got the world record in the first in our in our field in two fielding innings, 
which was the world dismissals uh, record for dismissals in a test match. Um, and obviously, I scored it. You know, sung around on the last day. They sort of gave it to both of us. And every time I see others, I oh, sorry, I go sorry, others, sorry about that. I up because he used to be man of the match. Really. And the record. This is interesting. The record I took was off of Bob Taylor. Ah, so used to, you know yeah, the, the great Bob Taylor, yeah, one of the games. Yeah, brilliant keeper. I, I mean, I modelled myself a little bit on him because his technique was just so pure. And the first person in the because Bob was on the ground at the time. The first person in the change room who came and shook my hand was Bob Taylor. And I thought that was so wow. nice of him to do that. You mentioned about um, the old the Johannesburg ground and the tin roof, and probably with your cricketing head on and your artist head on. Do you kind of rue the passing of, of older grounds, um, particularly in the, in the Caribbean, where the, those old ramshackle grounds have been replaced yeah. by stadia? I know it's gone on all over the world, but yeah. you know, if you were a touring international cricketer, going to some of these places... Oh, before, it, it's, I mean, I, I, I did paint some of them. when We had some great wins, you know, in Jamaica in 1990. Uh, we won in Barbados in when Stewie got... Yeah. Is two hundreds, um, you know, I, and those grounds were like they've, they've changed so much, and they're a bit more like concrete now. Oh, and to be fair, actually, a lot of the county grounds have, have changed as well. So I was lucky enough to play in that era. When I did the book, I, I thought, well, I, I, I painted the pictures that were sort of back in time a little bit, and not sort of at the concrete stadiums we see now. And I think the Caribbean, because if you go there, if you went there and played at that time, at the end of the day, basically you were deaf. Because yeah. the noise, the music, the the the, the enthusiasm for cricket is like, and the atmosphere in those grounds, because a lot of them were quite small and a bit ramshackle. And I don't mean that in a derogatory fashion. I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. They were just so um, intimidating and and very atmospheric. And there was no other. You, you you could play anywhere else in the world you like. There was nowhere like playing in the West Indies. I used to. I know it was a tough place to tour, and I had three tours there. But I used to love playing there because. First of all, you know you're going to be in a fight um, and a battle, but the grounds had so much atmosphere, um, and I I was lucky enough to paint one or two, but I just loved every minute. And, um, you know, the grounds now, they're not quite the same. So, And the great thing about playing well in the West Indies, if you did well, you know, the locals came and patted you on the back. You know, they really appreciated good cricket. You know, they just loved good cricket. I know they were passionate about their their own team, but if you did well against them, they appreciated it. You had those characters like Gravy. Oh, <laughs> I can still see him. I can still hear him with that ghetto blaster, that loud music. The, that stand used to bat, right? And the, the the wickets used to vibrate. I'm telling you, from the sound and the ground, that stand used to bounce up and down. And that stand stood up for all those years. I'll never know. Yeah, great characters, great great so, place. So to for, play. Young, for younger listeners that may not know who we're talking about, Gravy was uh, um, a fixture uh, at, um, at Trinidad. Was he at Trinidad? It was Antigua. Oh, Antigua. Antigua. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, and he would wear outlandish outfits uh, and a different one every day. Sometimes he'd come in drag, wouldn't he? Yeah. Did I yeah. see him in a wedding gown once? <laughs> yeah, but what he used to do, he used to hang from the stand like one hand. And yeah. I mean, health and safety would be, he'd be arrested <laughs> now. But he, he was like, if he ever fell down, he'd kill himself because he was so high up in the stand. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. He used to spend most of half the time watching the spectators. It was brilliant. <laughs> Something else we've got to talk about because I think every player that ever mentions it with you is uh, some of your quirkiness of uh, when you was on tours and things like that. You've mentioned the sun hat already, but you had a, a pair of gloves that you, you always wanted to keep in as well. And Brett, I deny it all. I'm just <laughs> Even though it's true, I deny it all. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a little bit. Um, I don't like change, as you can probably 
see mm. greatly. And I just like to, I mean, they're, they're, they're eccentric things to other people. To me, they were like normal. So, yeah. which is probably like the alcoholic saying that he, he's all right, he can handle the drink. It's sort of like a bit, maybe I should go to Eccentrics Anonymous or something, but <laughs> uh, it, some of the things uh, that people always mention are things like the Weetabix for 15 minutes. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you, when I retired, all the 12 men around the country cheered <laughs> because <laughs> they had to do the Weetabix 15 minutes before lunch. So I had to soak because I didn't like crunchy Weetabix. Um, the gloves, I, yeah, I, did, I had two pairs of gloves basically for... 20 odd years. Uh, one pair I left with a young kid in New Zealand in the in the early 80s, and I got them back off him late 90s, and um, and they saw me through to the end of my career. So yeah, no, it's sort of uh, I don't know if it, even the hat. I wouldn't say the hat was superstition. It was more a comfort thing. What about the tea um, drinking? Sorry. The tea drinking. Uh, yeah, that's probably an addiction. I would think. I mean, I don't have strong tea, luckily, mm. and I'm, I've now gone on to decaf tea. And after all these years, now I can sleep properly, which is like I should have. <laughs> I mean, I should have done it all those years ago. But it's just habits, really. And um, yeah, just well, like to use sure. the same kit, you know. Yeah, I, I think you know. Sort of reading through all this stuff, I'm not, I'm not sure I'd say it's necessarily eccentric. You just seem to me to be a creature of habit that you know. Like going yeah. out and having steak and chips in the evening. Now, yeah, habit's a good word. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When we were in India once, we I, I had steak and I had buffalo steak and chips twenty nine consecutive nights mm. because they did they, they weren't making me ill, so I didn't want to couldn't yeah. afford to be ill. Um, they, they are habits. Yeah, I'm a creature habit. That's probably a fair comment. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the way I'd, I'd look. Yeah, at I agree. I'll agree. We'll agree on that. <laughs> now, I read something else which was interesting. Uh, now, tell me, is it true? that after your death, you want your hands to be amputated and placed in formaldehyde. Sort of yeah. Damien Hirst style, I suppose. Well, uh, yeah, maybe I'll have to get Damien to do it, because I can't find anybody that wants to. My wife won't do it. Um, <laughs> it's probably not even legal. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to... I really should put something down in writing, because um, I don't know. I just thought I'd have my hands... I don't mind if this, all the skin is taken off and just they just leave the bones. That'll be fine. Put them in a glass cabinet... And then we'll put them in the gallery with uh, with all my pictures, and then people can come and stare at my hands as well as the as the paintings. And then maybe that's a bit eccentric. I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that on the chin. Uh, Jack, one final thing. Um, one day cricket. You, you you one of these keepers that sort of suddenly stood up in one day cricket and changed maybe the way keepers play in one day cricket. Is that is that sort of fairly? Is that a thinking well, thing? That's very kind of you to say that. I mean, we, that was towards the end of my career, and I always say to people, it was easier stood up all the time than having to run up and down all the, all the time <laughs> uh, from stood back. But to be honest with you, it was a tactical thing that we uh, we did at Gloucestershire, and it, because because you had things like um, pinch hitters come in, and you had risk fielding restrictions and that sort of thing. The guys were running down the pitch, so I'll be honest with you. In the first, you know, I might stand back for a couple of overs each end, and then and then stand up, and that way. The, bats, the bowler could have got more chance for an LBW. I used to like it if we had a first slip as well. Martin Ball used to do first slip, best first slip I ever had. So if anybody nicked it past me, there was a catcher there. That was always important. And it was just part of that. We used to create an, an inner ring there of uh, trying to squeeze the batsman. So it was just nice towards the end of my career where we were winning trophies. And you've got to remember, I went sort of 20 years virtually without getting a sniff of anything. Um, and managed to pick up a few trophies, uh, winners' medals at the end. So it was towards the end of my career, but I had a, I had, I had a ball doing it. I had a time of my life, and I think it also because John Bracewell was the coach 
and Mark Elaine was the captain. They encouraged me to do it. And I think my keeping went to another level. Um, even so, because even though I'd been playing for England, I'd sort of, it spurred me on to go to heights that I hadn't been before. So, you know, I was, I was chuffed to be part of that uh, successful period and had a great time doing it. Jack, thank you very much for your time. One, one final question. Yeah. If you had a chance to paint one more ground in the world, where would you like to paint that you haven't painted? Oh, my God, Joe. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I've, I've painted some, but I'd like to paint them again, probably. Um, let me think, let me think. Oh, that is so difficult because there are so many great grounds out there. I'll be honest with you, I, I do love the two uh, pavilions at Sydney because the okay. greens are slightly yeah. different. Yeah. So, and I, now I've done an Ashes series here, even though they're like slightly concrete grounds, or oh, Adelaide's quite nice still, I would go to Oz and I would paint, and my favourite ground would be to paint um, the two the two pavilions that that are still standing at Sydney, because they're like a part of the past. You know, the first things were there like back in the 1800s, so I'd love to do that, because the two, and also the challenge of getting the slightly different green grooves which is a technical artist thing, but I won't bore you in the details. <laughs> Jack, thank you very much for your time. It's been great talking to you. And we'll put all the details of uh, your galleries and uh, where people can view your stuff and if they want to buy a print. And uh, I'm sure you can arrange for signed copies for um, a cherry on top. Then um, yeah. we, shall, we shall put all that stuff on our social media and hopefully people can take a look. Brilliant, lads. It's been great talking to you.